You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Today we're going to look at the standings, talk about the Indians win today. We will go around the American League, National League, focusing on the games that matter to the Cleveland Indians. And then we will talk about Jason Kipnis and what looks like could very well be the end of his time as a Cleveland Indian. Nine years in, uh, I don't want to use the expression a mixed bag, but if you look at it, he had three really good years in those nine, and then a lot of injuries, and you know, it, it's kind of infamous for the fact that he could not the second half he always underperformed outside of one season he had one second half and we'll get into that later in the show but he was he would light the world on fire for half a year and then for whatever reason he just could not uh could not keep it together in the second half but we'll talk about that more in a bit for now let's just dive into standings and scores so the indians won today uh as they should uh detroit is awful they were, uh, it was supposed to be Matt Boyd, but uh, Tigers threw out Zach Renninger and uh, went about as badly as you could expect from there for them. They ended up giving up seven runs in this one. Uh, many, not many. Oscar Mercado uh, led things off with a home run, his 11th of the year, I believe. Let me double check that one. 12th of the year. And pretty much from there, the Indians just kept on rolling. Lots of doubles, a triple. That was the only home run in this game for the uh, Indians, who ended up winning 7-2. You know, it, it was a strong performing game. You know, Jordan Luplo came in, played well. Uh, Roberto Perez had a nice one. Mercado had a nice one. A lot of guys stepped up against... Uh, Detroit is now 45 and 105. They're trying to basically be the second worst uh, Tigers team in the last 20 years and could also be arguably one of the second worst teams of the last 20 years just in general. Uh, Andrew Velasquez got to make his debut, uh, made a nice play in the field. I still find it very interesting he wasn't up already that they kind of... I mean, even if they didn't play, the Indians typically like to call up more players this time of year. Uh, you know, someone like Bobby Bradley, who's already has an option, uh, is already been up this year. Felisquez, who they got in the trade. And, uh, you know, there's a few other options, or, you know, just some pen depth, but they haven't. So when Kipnis got hurt, Velasquez was the, the natural guy to call up, and he got a shot today. And again, there'll be more Kipnis to come in this one. Bullpen, Simber, Clipper, Carrasco all pitched well. Nice to be able to say that. Again, it's nice when you can face the Tigers. They will definitely fix what ails you. After talking about last night's show, oh, there's no way the uh, Oakland Athletics are going to lose. Well, they did. So uh, they currently have a one-game lead over Tampa. Cleveland currently is one game back of Tampa, meaning they're two back of um, of Oakland at this point. When we go over the scoreboard as of right now, games that are not in the books. Um, 
Oakland is beating the Royals by one in the ninth, so come on, KC. Uh, in the sixth, the Rays and the Dodgers are tied. This is a big one. Uh, both those teams have suspect bullpens, so we'll see how it goes. But a loss there will put the Indians half a game back of the Rays, so go Dodgers as well. Um, the Minnesota Twins look like they're going to pull out a win in extras here. Uh, Chicago couldn't help. Not that Cleveland really stands much of a chance in the Central, but uh, Chicago had a a nice little lead going into the, uh, the 12th inning here. Uh, they had a two-run lead, and bullpen's going to give up three runs, and that's probably going to be the end of it. So the Twins will end up getting that win. But again, the Twins and the Central are really... It would take a, a near-perfect run from here on out to make it. At this point, we're just pulling for Kansas City. We're pulling for the Dodgers uh, in terms of the National League wildcard. The Nationals won, which is what we want. We want them to really pull away with it. Uh, The Brewers won and the Cubs lost, which means we now have a two-way tie right now for that second wildcard spot with Philly tied with the Mets four games back of them. yeah, it's it's a real mess over there, just like it is to a degree in the American League. It's it's going to lead to a lot of drama as we head into the conclusion of this season. Now, as I mentioned, originally the Indians were supposed to face Matt Boyd in this game, but the Tigers moved things around, so just might be a good time to check and see what our pitching matchups are, go back and review how things match up. Again, it shouldn't matter too much because it's the Tigers. Um... You have to beat the Tigers. Spencer Turnbull, who's been arguably their best starter, goes tomorrow against Aaron Saval. Mike Clevenger then gets Jordan Zimmerman in a Fox game on Thursday, 6-10. You know, normally we see those be day games, but instead the Indians have a rare evening game. Uh, That's actually probably, I assume, a 7-10 game. Uh, I'm assuming the 6-10 start time is because I live in the Central now. So, uh, yeah, everything's probably adjusted to my time zones. But, yeah, it's a, the next two games are 7 o'clockers. Then they will go out and – or not go out. Then they have Philadelphia at home to end things for this year at home, barring um, making it to the divisional round of the playoffs. And that Philadelphia series right now set up again. Plesak, Smiley, Bieber, Vargas, Pletko, Velasquez. Um, that's going to be like a Sunday evening game. It's an important one, so it should be, you know, it's going to be a fun one to check out. And again, it was against the Tigers, but it is nice to see this continued performance by Pletko. Um, He's really establishing himself as a potential back-end arm. He's missing enough bats to make it work. He's not getting a lot of hard contact off of him. He's doing a lot of little things, and... We'll see. I mean, I did not think he could be a usable number five starter. He has proven me very wrong this year, so good on him. Vivid Seats, they're the way to uh, get the tickets you need and to get a great experience. You're going to go over there if you want to get some tickets and use the promo code KICKOFF. Uh, In addition, Postmates is a sponsor that uh, I have talked about ad nauseum. Uh, I feel like that's a little maybe too punny, ad nauseum. Uh, But Postmates is great because they enable me to be lazy. Um, If I want to just watch the baseball game, they'll bring the food to my door. 
uh, they'll bring the groceries, they'll bring medication. 365 days, 24 hours a day. Postmates brings you what you need when you need it. So you download that Postmates app. Uh, it's going to ask for your location, and it's going to tell you what it can do around you. It's going to just be like, okay, so this is what we can do. This is what we have deals with. It's great. It does all the work for you. So download the Postmates app, use the promo code Locked On, and you can see why I've been uh, very happy to talk about Postmates for a few months now. So it was kind of a weird announcement today that Jason Kipnis is essentially done for the year. Uh, to me, why is it weird? It's the same injury that Jose Ramirez had. It's that uh, handmade injury. And there was some talk that would the Indians maybe try to bring back Kipnis on a cheaper deal? I mean, with the handmade injury, I think the answer now is clearly no. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for Kipnis to get a contract out there because the defense is below average at second. Um, the offense is well below average at second as well. He doesn't really bring a lot to the game at this point. Um, and he's not a utility guy. He doesn't have the arm for third. You, you know, the outfield, it's been a long time. Uh, you know, they tried him out there last year. But it's been a long time since he was effective. Uh, you know, since he played regularly in the out time, in the outfield. And it's been a long time since he was effective as a hitter. I mean, this, this is his best year um, of the last three years for him. And it's still a 715 OPS and 84 OPS plus. He's he's been a below average bat and a below average defender at second. Now you add in that handmade injury where he's going to have less power likely for a year. Um, it, with his diminishing uh, results and his inability to profile as a utility guy, um, I mean, you just can look back to a year ago and look at the second base market and there was a lot of names and not a lot of need that's why you know the Yankees got DJ uh, Mathieu for so cheap I mean he was a former batting champion and on top of that had a you know record as a strong defender and they got him for six mil maybe eight mil it was a very cheap uh, amount of money that the Yankees were able to get him Brian Dozier went for nothing it was a, a bit of a stilted market Marwin Gonzalez played a lot of second base for the Astros and his contract was used to be very team friendly with the twins, so it's it's already a market we've seen that there's not a lot of value for free agents in. Um, so you take that, you add in. He doesn't really, he doesn't bring anything positive outside of you know the gritty vet experience. The bat is doesn't profile um, as plus for the position. The defense is not good at the position. He is moving into his mid thirties. Um, you know, I talked about it in the year, but I think he is probably going to be looking at a minor league contract. Um, maybe a team gets desperate, uh, but I can't see him getting more than like what Chisholm less. I think he would get less than what Lonnie Chisholm got uh, a year ago. So Jason Kipnis will leave the Cleveland Indians. It's looking like at this point, uh, nine-year career start in two thousand eleven. He, that season got hurt. Uh, that was actually, that limited season was his best offensive season as a Cleveland Indian. Um, he came up, really set the world on fire, but never really kind of lived up to that those heights. And it's been interesting that we see so many guys that that things have been held against them, that Kipnis has always kind of slid by. He's never been, uh, never had the ire directed at him that a lot of other players have. But, uh, 
you go through his first full season in 2012, he was a league average bat. 2013, strong year, but has that big second half fade. Uh, arguably the best year of his career in 2013. 2014 suffers with injuries and ineffectiveness. 2015, he comes back. And that's the only time we really saw that complete year where he did not just fall apart in the second half. Uh, I mean, up until that 2015 season, if you go by his, went by his career OPSs, he didn't even have any month from in the second half where he had an OPS over 700. It was, it was quite pronounced. And I mean, I haven't really dug into it since that time. But uh, it was one of those things that always stood out to me. 2016, uh, still good production, not quite as good as the year before. And since then, it's just been injuries and ineffectiveness. Uh, you know, 2016 was his 20, age 29 year, and basically since age 30, uh, time, is con- time and injuries have caught up to him. He has played in 1,121 games as an Indian, and he does rank in some all-time stat categories, for the Cleveland Indians. So if we start, first off, he is third all-time in strikeouts. He is currently one behind Carlos Santana. Um, the Indians had not traded for Santana. He'd be second all-time. Uh, Jim Tomey is first by a significant margin over both of those two players. And they're both significantly ahead of Travis Hafner and Johnny Peralta, who are fourth and fifth on the list. Then you go over Sacrifice Flies, tied for fourth all-time with Kenny Lofton. Uh, Bayerga, Thornton, Vizcala Head behind Manny Ramirez. So, so far, you know, those may not be the most inspiring places we've seen Kipnis, but here's a good one. He's fourth all-time in stolen base percentage. Um, he was always a good base runner. He was always smart on the base paths. Uh, Roberto Alomar, Kenny Lofton, Jose Ramirez ahead, Michael Brantley, Francisco Lindor behind. Power-speed ratio. This is another interesting one because because he was such a smart base runner and he was able to have a high steal percentage, make those uh, get the stolen bases up, but also be a double-digit, close to 20 home run guy at peak that uh, power-speed. He is uh, fourth all-time behind Lofton, Carter, and Sizemore. Uh, Jose Ramirez and Lindor are the next two up. And those are the five categories he ranks in. So, but I realize that's not five categories now, is it? So power speed, stolen base percentage, sacrifice flies, strikeouts. I'm not sure why I'm not getting a, a, I guess it's maybe just those four categories for him on here. But yeah, he's... In in the the big picture of things, I I have a hard time ranking him. I I think that it may not be the most popular opinion, but I think he basically ended up being very similar to Ronnie Belliard. And you know, you look through his age twenty seven and age thirty years, the name that comes up is Ronnie Belliard. His third most similar batter through age thirty one. Now that I'm looking at it, Ronnie Belliard. Um, Ronnie Belliard was a one-time All-Star in Cleveland, not a two-timer like Kipnis. But, uh, I mean, Kipnis was better at peak. But, yeah, that's not a fair comparison. I'll just go out and say it. I guess I had fonder thoughts of Ronnie Belliard at the time. But, um, 
I mean, Kipnis is... He, he's just a hard player to place. I don't know where he would rank like amongst all-time Indian second basemen. It, it would take some some deep digging. Obviously, someone like Nap Lajoie is going to be higher. You know, Roberto Alomar wasn't there that long. Carlos Baerga's peaks were better. Um, it's a position that the Indians. I was born in '81. Have kind of they've had greatness, but also struggled. It's like. Uh, you know, Julio Franco was someone they they traded away at second base. Jerry Brown was the second baseman of my youth, the governor. Um, Tony, I'm going to butcher his name. I'm trying to get down to where I saw it before. You know, Tony uh, uh, Barzanard was one of those names I kind of remember, but it wasn't when I was quite following in depth. Uh, Bayerga, of course, came along, and Roberto Alomar not long after that. But it was a struggle for you know for the Indians to find a second baseman for the longest time. It was a black hole position. Uh, I was very excited when they traded for um, Josh Barfield. I thought that was going to solve all the issues, and it, it, that didn't work out. Um, you know, Belliard I mentioned he was really good, but it was only in Cleveland for three years and kind of flamed out quickly after that you know first strong year. Um, they tried a lot of different things. I mean, there's a point in time where. There was talk of Casey Blake trying second base. It was uh, Estrubal Cabrera spent some time there when uh, when he first came up. It, it, it's until Jason Kipnis, for most of my life, it was a short term position. Because even someone like Carlos Baerga, for as great as he was, um, you look at his numbers and it was not the long career. Like he he could have been greater. We all know conditioning was not his friend, but. Um, you know, his career in Cleveland lasted eight years, about 200 less games, and again, I mean, the peaks were, were definitely higher, uh, but I mean, he fell apart at age 27 for Bayerga because, again, conditioning issues. Um, so Bayerga is probably the best second baseman of my lifetime for the Cleveland Indians. That's, that's just the way it's going to stand because Roberto Alomar's career was so short. But Kipnis, in my life, is in that top three discussion. I, I was too young to really see Julio Franco, and he did most of his play elsewhere. Um, I just, even as a child, remember being wholly unimpressed with Jerry Brown. And uh, again, and it was such a hard position for the Indians to fill for so long. You know, Trevor Crowe was a first-round pick that they tried to do the conversion with that they did with Kipnis of going from the outfield to second base, and it just didn't work. But at least he was a first-rounder that made the majors at a point in time, but that didn't happen with Indians first-rounders. Jason Kipnis, I don't know if he ever really had a chance to be the second, or to be the best second-round pick in Indians history. Um, Albert Bell's utter dominance at peak makes him a guy who probably should be in the Hall of Fame, but likely won't be. And... When I was doing my reviews of each round of the Cleveland Indians draft, Kipnis was arguably the second best second round pick in the history of the franchise. They have continually struggled in the second round. Um, some of their biggest busts have been in the second round. You look uh, to this day, it, it just seems to be a cursed round for the Cleveland Indians. They don't seem to hit on second round picks. I mean, Nolan Jones is hopefully the exception to the rule. Um, but you look at Dylan Howard, who's probably the biggest bust they've had, second-round pick. You look at um, you know recent Quentin Holmes and his struggles. You can kind of go through, um, you know, Levon Washington. Names like that come to mind. 
Kipnis, you know, didn't have that. It's a shame that he was someone who was beat up as often as he was, which is probably a style of how he played. And I know I probably never appreciated him as much as I should have because I wanted more. I thought there was more there. Um, I always underestimated him going back to, you know, when I was, I thought Cord Phillips, Phelps was going to be a solid second baseman. So I thought Kipnis could be trade bait. Um, and that was another, you know, massive mistake in my, my evaluative past. That was very early on. I don't even know if I would count that as real evaluations then, but I've always, I probably have not given him his due. If I'm being honest, he's going to leave as the best second baseman since Roberto Alomar. He's going to leave, uh, you know, an accomplished hitter for the Indians, a two-time all-star. I really wanted him to be that middle of the order bat that I don't think he ever became. And, you know, he was a, a guy that on a team like the Red Sox or the Yankees, he's probably hitting most years somewhere around sixth or seventh, where with the Indians, he was pressed into duty a lot higher in the lineup. Um, I wish him the best of luck. Um, wherever he goes, I hope he gets a major league contract or someone. Uh, but, you know, it certainly seems with with Chang, with uh, making that trade for Arroyo, with Nolan Jones um, likely making his MLB debut next year, keeping Jason Kipnis uh, for a team that, uh, that has it, who are up against it monetarily, um, just doesn't make sense. There's no way they were going to pick up a $16 million option. Um, they've been trying to give him away in trades for the past few years. It didn't work out. I just can't see them bringing him back. Again, at this point, he looks like he's probably going to have to prove it to teams. He's going to be in a Brad Miller situation. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it's been a good career in Cleveland, and we wish Kip the best wherever it is he ends up going. I want to thank you all for listening, for the rating and reviewing, for everything you do to help make this podcast grow and get better. And as always, go Tribe.